Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? This is Real Time with Prince Blue, and happy Easter to everybody. It is April the 4th. I hope everybody's being safe and having a um, fantastic Easter Sunday. Um, I'm a little bit earlier than normal. That's because my special guest is living in the land of sunshine, and she's behind on the time. So um, I had to do a show a little bit early today, but um, this show is going to be very, very good because I saw her post and then um, it was a great post about the Sixers. She was all Sixered up, fired up about the Sixers. And then I saw that um, she has a very interesting job. And I was like, if why not? <laughs> why not um, reach out to her and see if she wants to come on? And she was fair game for it. And, you know, on this show, I always push to have um, uh, people from all walks of life on the show to discuss not only um, – sports and entertainment, but also what they're doing within the community and in their own bubble, whatever it is that they're doing. And I'm welcome to uh, bring to me, bring with you today to the show, Dr. Sheila Matrack. And um, she grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, where her parents still live. She's moved to San Diego for grad school 12 years ago and is now a biology professor for a local community college. When she isn't obsessing over the Sixers and Eagles, she loves being outside, hanging with her 11-year-old mentee, or binging the latest and greatest on TV. We're definitely going to get into that because during the pandemic, it's all about what can I binge watch? So with, without further ado, let me introduce to you Dr. Mad Rat. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. Oh, this is no, thank you for coming on. I mean, who else could say they have a let me get it right, an ecologist mm. on their show? Who else? Besides like <laughs> Discovery Channel or yeah, something that's like true. that. So you're a Philadelphia native and you moved out to San Diego. Um First of all, tell me how hard was it to move from Philadelphia? That could be a rhetorical question too, but go ahead. <laughs> well, and as I will say, as my dad always reminds me, I'm from the Philadelphia suburbs. He's from Philadelphia. <laughs> so oh, come on, dad. I know, but he's from Southwest, you know, so I grew up in the suburbs, but I I actually left when I first went away to college. So I went to college in Vermont. And then I moved to Florida for my master's degree. Then I lived in northern Arizona for two years, which, you know, was fine. But then I moved to San Diego for my Ph.D. and I've stayed here. So um, I've carried my Philadelphia sports fanaticism with me to all of those places. So when you say Philadelphia sports fanaticism, um, people don't understand like fanatic. It pretty much originated in Philly because that's what we are. We're we're fanatical about our teams. Mm -hmm. And what what got my attention uh, with you was uh, the Sixers were playing and you was just it was like your timeline was constant Sixers. <laughs> and I was like, who is this with all this Sixer tweets? And then I looked and I was like, oh, wow. So tell me, how, how did your love for the Sixers start? 
I mean, I like everybody from the from Philadelphia and the surrounding area, right? Like you're just raised with it. So um, when, since I was little, my dad was always really big into all the teams and just brought my sister and I into the fold on that. My mom is, an, is a nurse and would work on the weekends. So on the weekends, it was just us with our dad. And if there was a game on, we were watching it. And we knew like, you know, you only talk during the commercials, otherwise you're watching the game. And so he would take us to games and yeah, we, my, especially Sixers, I remember a lot going to games with my dad and it was just always so much fun and I loved it. I mean, that was like the late Charles Barkley years and Manute Bull was on the team. And <laughs> I remember even like when Charles got traded to the Suns, how devastated I was because I thought he was like ours, you know, like you don't understand mm -hmm. how trades work and stuff when you're a kid. So you're like, no, how could he do this to us? So, yeah, just I mean, like everybody in the area, I feel like we just grow up with it. And I, I you don't you don't just switch teams when you move to a new area. I feel like. Plus, I'm in San Diego. We only have the Padres now, so it wouldn't really be much fun. That, yeah, and that, and that's the thing. When you go from somewhere that's so fanatical and so with sports ingrained in the culture of Philadelphia, then you settle somewhere in San Diego where, you know, it's a baseball team, but it was the Chargers. But after that, it's not as pronounced as there. Like, how do you – how do people get that? Like when you're wearing a Sixers hoodie or an Eagles hoodie or like, how, how is that? How's the approach there? Well, it's kind of interesting, I think, because San Diego tends to be such a mix of people from, um, you know, other areas. There's like it we're in the neighborhood that I live in. There's a Philadelphia sports bar down the street that the guys from Philly and they serve soft pretzels and like even like their water thing is labeled water. And so, you know, there's like that it, it, everywhere. And so I've got a Sixers flag on my house. My neighbors have their Lakers flag. The other neighbors have like their Titans flag. And so, you know, it's everybody. So it's kind of fun like that. I will say, I don't know if it's because I'm looking for it, but I always see more Philly stuff than anything else. So you you try to, like, it, I guess in your words, when it's a hodgepodge, it's great because you get to, you know, when you're in Philly, you know, it's only really one fandom. Right. So you don't have to flex on others. But when <laughs> you're, like, somewhere like San Diego, you could be, like, Super Bowl champions, baby. What yeah. have you done? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, yeah, that's what I usually have. It's either my Eagles flag or my Sixers flag up. But, you know, I will say I did take the Eagles flag down pretty early last year. <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to and we're going to get into that because yeah. um, we were talking offline and you were you were not a fan of Carson Wentz. And that was shocking to me because. <laughs> It just seemed like people just kept kept making excuses for the guy. But can you give us your take on Carson Wentz and where were your issues with him at for his time in Philly? Well, I, I kind of felt like, and we were talking, like you said, we were talking off air, but I kind of felt like people made him a star before he had really proved himself to us. And as Philly sports people, you know, you have to earn 
our love, <laughs> you know? And so I felt like they that it was decided he was going to be this star. And then when he started off a couple, you know, the two seasons early on that he played really well and then got injured, people were like, well, see, he, see, he can do it. He can do it. And it's like, oh, well, he got injured. So maybe. And, you know, it, it, then the year we won the Super Bowl, I know everybody likes to say, well, Carson got us there. Carson didn't get us there. In my opinion, Nick Foles and the rest of the team got us there. So I just always felt like he was given a lot more credit than he had earned. So last year when it just felt like, and like you had said, you know, there was no accountability for the team and he's the quarterback. And if you're going to be the quarterback and the supposed star of the team, you got to earn that and show leadership. And it just wasn't there. And it was just so hard to watch. And so like by week four, I was done with the season. <laughs> And, and you're not the only one that was done um, early. And I don't fault anybody. Like, I wasn't like, oh, how can you not? How can you give up? I don't consider it giving up. I consider it your leader of the football team was somebody that you didn't particularly care for. And the brand of football he playing was terrible. Mm -hmm. um, the team was terrible. And your leader wasn't taking any accountability. Mm -hmm. So it's like the definition of insanity. Just like why, but you know, you know, Philly fans, we're say to we're say to masochists, we like we like feeling pain, so we'll look and we'll be like, I already know they're about to blow it, <laughs> but yeah. then you're like, well, why are you watching? Yeah, but like, I, but that's the thing, you know. I I'm 38. I've spent plenty of seasons watching them when they're terrible and still loving it and getting excited when they win, you know, just a handful of games. But it was just, I felt like it was unbearable to watch last year. And mm. it was just beyond. And it probably was a lot of that, like the off the field kind of stuff of not just saying, yeah, you know what, I'm not playing well. If he had said that, I think he would have had a lot more respect from a lot of people. But I, I don't know. I don't think he was ever a good fit for the city. and. Mm. He, you know, he be, he's from North North Dakota, right? Uh, yeah. And so um, I didn't want to get the wrong Dakota, but I think like he just, I don't know. There's people that come to Philadelphia, they do really well and we embrace them. There's people that come to Philadelphia and they just never kind of click with the, the city. But there's also people that come to Philadelphia do well and don't click. And there's people yeah. that don't do well and click like yeah. the TJ McConnell's. You're uh, your scrappy go get them guys. But we so, love those guys. We love guys like TJ yeah. who just come in and because he came in and he did his job. And mm -hmm. like that was always the thing. That was kind of the mentality that I grew up with from my dad watching sports with him was like, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to do this for their job. And if you're not doing your job, you should get fired or, you know, at least get a reprimand. <laughs> but it's like if, if any of us, like you're a retired police officer, if you went to work and didn't do your job, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to be doing well in your career. And same for me. So it should be the same for these guys. And they make a lot more money than us. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know what I found out is weird is it's like because it's like we get it. They're human. Like, listen, people, yeah. we get it. They're human. But if I could be a human making so much damn money <laughs> and you're right. telling me that some guy on Twitter 
bigger than me or slower than me is giving me BS and, and all I could fire off is, bro, check the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I miserable? Why am I miserable? Yeah. I but I guess, man, because people be like, you know, money don't buy you happiness. Well, it's a hell of a down payment. I can tell you that. Because <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> you telling me all I have to do is practice, then play football, or practice and then shoot a basketball, <laughs> or practice and then hit a baseball. Oh, yeah, and by the way, set my family and generations up for many years. Right. Unless right. I'm in some terrible city where it's like totally unbearable. Like if I'm like yeah. in Stanback, Alabama, <laughs> and it's like I just I can't do it. Yeah. Okay. I may have a little bit of sympathy for you, but no. Well, yeah. All and it's like, you know, but, that's that with Carson, it was just like, just be accountable. We'll have a lot more respect for you if you just own it. And that, yeah, I, I know, I totally agree. Like, there are people, they have feelings. And, but like, as you know, who's a great example is um, Tobias, because Tobias on the Sixers, Tobias Harris, he got so much crap over the last, like, before the this season, but, like, last year and the year before, especially when he got the contract, people were just like, oh, he doesn't deserve it, and look how he's playing, and blah, 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 blah. And I just felt like, eh, I don't know, I see sparks of it. I feel like, and he never once came out and said, I'm this huge star, and I deserve all this money, you know? He's such a humble guy. And then when he came out this year, and he's just been phenomenal, like all year. I mean, we won last night because of him. And it's like, that's the kind of guy that we love. He, he took it for a whole year from all of us complaining. And he came back and he said, you know what? They're probably a little bit right. And I'm going to play harder and I'm going to show them. And, you know, then we all had his yeah. back when he got snubbed for the all-star. <laughs> no, woe is me. No, yeah. well, there's nothing wrong with my game. I'm going to keep playing the way I play. Like mm -hmm. all that crap that Carson would did right. would do, Tobias didn't do that. He was actually the antithesis of that. Yeah. He got better, did better, even took some lumps along the road, mm -hmm. still got some crap, still gets some crap. But what mm -hmm. does he do? He comes out, puts his head down, he just keeps playing. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like well, I mean, he has the perfect role model in Joel for that because Joel really gets us. I don't I mean, there's so few athletes that have come to Philadelphia and just are like a Joel or a Brian Dawkins or, you know, these guys. That, AI. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I know I'm wearing my Bubba Chuck hoodie. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, they, you know, that they just get us and they take it and and they dish it out. And it's like we're all in this together. kind of. And you know what? To the people on the outside who think Philly fans, they always get there, play a hard time. Nobody wants to play there. No, there's been players that love playing here, love when we give them the business, and they mm -hmm. give it back to us, and we never – we don't get mad at them. Right. We be like – like when athletes clap back at the fans, I'm not one of those that be like, you you, you, you should never go at the fans. You're not going to win. No, you're human. If, if a right. fan is getting on your nerves, you let them know. But – what I don't like is when, when they're like passive aggressive, like a Donovan was, or like oh, yeah. Duran is making burner accounts and yeah. and, and talking. They like the the whole new athlete 
like the way they're so passive aggressive about things. Like, I don't like that. Like, tell us how you feel. Like, yeah. let, let, let us know. Like, look, I'm out here doing what I got to do, to doing the best I can to bring a championship here. Like, if, you know, if you got a problem with that, that's fine. But never question my effort. Never question my desire to win here. I got no issues with that. Yeah, None. me neither. Oh, sorry. My dog's down no. here. <laughs> it, it is all right. He, he was getting fired up, too. So yeah. speaking of career, because when you say your um your job, um you know, if you don't do well in your job that you make, you, uh, people will fire you or whatever the case may be. You're an ecologist. Mm -hmm. For the people out there that don't know, <laughs> explain what an ecologist. First of all, anything that ends in the is required a lot of schooling. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of money and resources to get it done. So explain what that is. So, well, first of all, let me say that a lot of, because this is for anybody that's thinking about like grad school in the sciences, you can get teaching assistantships and research assistantships that help with your tuition and expenses. So it wasn't as much money as it probably would seem like it would be because you kind of get paid to do, I mean, you teach, you, you, you're a TA, so you help, you know, teach a lab or something. But um, as an ecologist, an ecologist is, a, ecology is basically like a sub-discipline of biology. So biology is the study of life. And then ecology is the study of life and the environment. So basically taking into account of like, you know, how temperature or pH or precipitation, all those kinds of things affect living organisms. So you study like the way, let's say, an oil spill affects the otters. Am yeah, I off? No, no, no. That would be a good example. I don't study otters, but I studied turtles, actually, mostly of my career. So like I've ninja studied, turtles? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I studied sea turtles during my master's degree and my PhD. And then I've also done um, quite a bit of work with desert tortoises. So like to kind of parallel your example of the oil spill and the otters, um, one of the projects that I worked on in San Diego for my PhD was with sea turtles and a power plant that pumped out warm water. So Ooh. how did the turtles, how were the turtles affected by the warm water that was pumped out? So, or like I worked, I've worked on a project out in the Palm Springs area with desert tortoises and wind turbines. So like how did the desert tortoises navigate all these man-made structures in their habitat so yeah but you like your example was right on <laughs> so you said you study turtles so mm -hmm. how does so how does that work like how like you you say um like if somebody you use this plane to somebody like i study turtles so we're <laughs> like like what does that mean because i know you have one picture where you're next to a huge turtle that is, and that's my tortoise, Petunia. She's out in my backyard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, are you asking how you get into it? Yes, like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I want to study turtles. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, well, for me, I mean, it's funny you reference the Ninja Turtles because as a kid, from the 80s and 90s, I was I loved the Ninja Turtles as a kid. 
And I was a Raphael person just to get that out of the way. But of course you like the rebel. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I remember getting really into the cartoon and like running home from school and putting it on and then begging my parents relentlessly to buy me a pet turtle. And they eventually did cave. And we went to the pet store, which this was a long time ago. There was a pet store in the King of Prussia mall. And we went to the pet store and I picked out a little box turtle. Of course he was named Raphael. And that just started it for me. And then I just always really liked, I've always liked animals in general, but I really always liked turtles from that moment on. So I went to, when I went to college though, neither one of my parents had graduated from a four-year university. And so, you know, being the first in your family to go to four-year college, it's tough when you don't have people that have navigated that before you. And so, you know, you're like, well, I want to be, I want to study turtles. And my parents are like, no, that's not a career. So they were like, why don't you do, you know, go to vet veterinary school. So that's kind of where I started. But then I just had really awesome mentors that were like, well, if you really like turtles, you can study turtles. And so it's really just like, I mean, that's then what my master's and my PhD was. You just kind of immerse yourself in all of the existing research and then figure out what are the questions that aren't answered yet. That that is so awesome because it's like, you know, people get into different things and have different passions. And we all know with everything that's going on, the environment, it, it needs more attention than ever. And we need to find out why things are are happening the way they are. But now it's like once you it's like when somebody be like hey what what did you do for a living or what do you do for a living and once i tell them they either got a lot of questions mm-hmm. they got a lot of hate or they got a lot of what like what when you say i do this do you get that person that's like huh, huh, well what do you think about <laughs> the way that such and such is happening and such yeah. and such and you're like oh i don't i don't yeah. i don't know Yes. And that that is such an insightful point, because that is something that used to happen all the time. And um, probably when I was younger, I liked it. You know, it was exciting. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in grad school studying sea turtles. And people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. A lot of the response with it when I would be studying sea turtles would be like, oh, I swam with them in Florida or Hawaii. And or like, how long do they really live? And so, you know, it's kind of the same things. Oh, I love finding Nemo. I'm like, I know, yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, as you move into, you like, you know, in any career, you can, you start to get more and more into it. And you start to feel like that imposter syndrome where you learn mm-hmm. more and more, but yet you feel like, well, I still don't know all of this. So I kind of would just say like, oh, I'm an ecologist. And then like people don't know a lot of the time. So they don't ask either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one oh, wants yeah, to yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it's like, that's over. So that's kind of how it is now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. So um, you're, you're a huge, um, you're, you're a huge lover of turtles. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me the most exotic place you've been that your career has afforded you to be at? I I mean, I've really spent most of my career studying turtles in the United States. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, grad school has taken me to live in different places within the United States. I've really not gone anywhere too exotic to study turtles. Um, Do you have a wish list? Um, you know, I used to. I used to say I always wanted to go to the Galapagos and I still want to go to the Galapagos. I don't know why I'm saying used to, but I'm like, <laughs> it's like travel seems so foreign right now because of COVID, but um, I'd still love to go to the Galapagos. I've been to, let's see, in the I've been to a couple of places in the Caribbean, um, like the Cayman Islands and um, St. John. And there's turtles there, but like those were vacations. It wasn't, you know, to do work. But I've been, I mean, it's cool because I, when I went to grad school in Florida, I worked with baby turtles, so hatchlings. And there's three species that nest in Florida. So it was like I could just drive a mile to the beach and there's my baby turtles that I needed to do my work. And then in San Diego, we have green sea turtles that live in the water in San Diego Bay. So that was, you know, they're like my neighbors <laughs> instead of going somewhere exotic. Now, you said you, you do have a... Um... Yeah, uh, my wife says that's funny. Um, they were just <laughs> talking about the Galapagos on on Shit's Creek. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That's they where did, they're going. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, that's where they're about to go, yeah. and they have to get all these like. And I think he was going to study the turtles too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. He's going, that, that is so. That is so odd. Yep, yep. That sure yeah. they're on their way. Yep. That last episode we was watching, he um. Uh, Ted is leaving out, Ted, and then Alexis right. is going to follow him in about a week. So that's that's pretty cool. So when you're, um, you said you actually the picture of you with the big turtle. That's your personal turtle. Yeah, she is a desert tortoise, which they mm -hmm. live in California. Um, but once they're in, and they're actually an endangered species in California, okay. but. Once they've been brought into captivity, they can't be re-released because it risks spreading disease to the wild population. Oh. So like, because being someone that studies turtles isn't really that commonplace. Like when I was in grad school a lot, it would be a friend of a friend being like, oh, I have this friend who found this turtle. What are they supposed to do with it? I'll take it. <laughs> so um, this was a kind of situation like that. It was a friend of a friend who had it, didn't even know what species it was. And he had bigger tortoises that were kind of picking on her. And so I took her, but she's now <laughs> permitted. Like she has a permit in this with the state of California to be living in my yard. <laughs> so wait a minute. She was being bullied. <laughs> yeah. So were they like mad at her? Because they was like... <laughs> You ain't from around here. You from the street? <laughs> kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So turtles are territorial like that. Is that yeah. what you're trying to tell me? Turtles are oh. actually very territorial. <laughs> Even sea turtles will be. They'll like protect their little patch of eelgrass. They're like, this is mm -hmm. my food. Back off. <laughs> oh, that is that is crazy. Let me find out. Turtles are bullies to their own kind. Yeah. Well. I mean, they were different species, though, so. Oh, oh so it was kind of a, a racial thing between tortoises. It was like. Well, so. yeah, but I mean, like, we're all one species. We're all humans. These are mm -hmm. different species. So it would be more like <laughs> like, um, like a dog and a coyote. Like oh, getting into okay, it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So 
you're a huge Sixers fan. Yeah. Um, what has been the best part about this year so far? Um, I, it's got to be the chemistry of the team. They are just so much fun this year. And I think it probably feels more fun maybe than it is sometimes just because last year was in the bubble was so blah. They were just like, they were so boring to watch. And, you know, there wasn't, you can see that there was no on-court or off-court chemistry, really, other than like, you know, Matisse's little vlog that we all got a peek into. But even that, everybody just was kind of like, hey. um, But this year, you know, they just look like they're having so much fun and that's coming across. I think Dwight has been so much fun to have on the team. I didn't know what to expect from Dwight when him coming into the team, especially as like the the veteran of all the vets on our squad. And he's like, I mean, the man went and got his Frosty and French fries after the Frosty freeze out one time. <laughs> he <laughs> could buy just, Wendy's. He went and got his I free know, frosty. <laughs> but he did, but that's so great. Like that's the kind of stuff we love. And, you know, they're just like Ben and Joel's relationship has, you can tell has gotten so much better. I think Ben plays better when Joel's around. No question. And I tweeted about that. And some I'm glad that people didn't take it as a slight. But I was just saying that Joel is an alpha, which means yeah. whether he's when he's there, he's gonna play. And if 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 like if Ben is missing, Joel's gonna pick it up versus when Joel is missing. Ben is still dependent on everybody else around him more than taking it over. So I said, this is clearly that Ben needs Joel mm-hmm. more than Joel needs Ben. And that's not, yeah. I'm not saying that the, you know, to pull them apart. It's just one person can do anything he wants on the court, no matter what defense you throw at him versus Ben. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going to do but so much and he's so dependent on the people around him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a great observation. And people love to hate on Ben. And I don't really hate on Ben because I just feel like Ben does something that's different than a lot of players in the NBA right now. And everybody's so obsessed with threes. And I kind of love that our squad has this totally different dynamic where we're not dependent on the three. It's nice when Seth is hitting them or Danny's hitting them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like Ben has such a place on our team, but he just, for whatever reason, plays better when Joel's out there, too. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Because, I um, yes, the threes are fun, but I ain't going to lie to you. I love when, when the other team thinks they're getting a run and then we toss it into uh, Joel, and he gets hacked, or he bullies him. I mean, he demoralizes centers, <laughs> and he demoralizes teams. Because it's like, we threw three people at him. He either got the and one, got fouled, or kicked it out and got an open three. It's like, yeah. what, what else can we do besides when he's sitting down try to make our run? Yeah. I, I don't remember who it was, but it was uh, in the few weeks where Joel was out with the knee injury and somebody in one of the post games from the team had said that like when Joel just comes down, you can see the fear on the defender's faces because he's like a freight train coming. 
I mean, it was funny. Yeah. I always text back and okay. forth with my dad during the games. Mm -hmm. And last night I was, I was joking because he fell down. He was on the court seven or eight different times. He's just like barrels in. He's such a klutz. He's like, he's the most <laughs> athletic klutz I think I've ever seen. Like, yes. how, like even I'm glad everything turned out fine. But when he dunked and hurt his knee, I yes. went, Joel, I was like, what Russell Westbrook doesn't even come down on one leg like that. Like, what are you doing, big fella? And if you I look know. at it, that dunk was, it was nice. This guy is seven feet. And he, he's and, enormous. When he, when he came down like that, I was like, Joe, what are you doing? But that's what we love. He's making as much money as anybody. He knows how important he is to this franchise. He's mm -hmm. on the ground. He's diving. I, he's, I mean, we're like, no, but then we're like, okay, Joe, thank you, thank you. But we're still like, no, we're like, come on, like, Matisse can't dive or something. Somebody else died before Joe. If I'm dying, <laughs> I'm like, if it's a ball on the ground and y'all let Joe die, I'm fining you $5,000. <laughs> I don't need my big man barreling on the floor like that. I know. I, I could not agree with you more. I love the description of him being an athletic klutz because that is <laughs> like so klutz. apt. My dad, my dad's my Sixers buddy since I was a kid. So every game we're like texting back and forth. And he always says that Joel just doesn't know how to control his body. Like he's just like <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> he's just, he's an athletic klutz. Like yeah. he will come down, do a Euro step. <laughs> or he hit that step back three yeah. that guards can't even do. I know. And then he'll trip over his own feet. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. It's so, I'm like, while you were talking about him landing on that leg, I can still picture it and like his knee hyperextended. And like everybody, I don't know if you saw him on the post game last night, but he was saying that he was crying, which I love our Joel. He cries all the time, but such a crier. I love it. But he said he was crying and he thought that the season was over. And I think all of us thought so too. It was like, there was a couple days there where we didn't know what the injury was. You had people tweeting, take my, take my ACL Lord. Take my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, a guy yeah. has captured the city when you're <laughs> offering up your ACL. So Lord, take my. Hey, man. Well, the Lord must have took somebody's because his was just a yeah. hyper extension. So oh, I know. Man. And we play tonight. We yep. got Memphis tonight. Of course, yep. Joel's not playing. It was already right. said that this is part of their um his their recovery. plan for him to be cautious with him on back to backs. Yeah. Now let's get into this. Why are people so hell bit on? just putting the Nets in the finals. It's just skipping over the team that's been in first place since the beginning of the damn season. Why is that? It's, I think it's the same thing with the threes, right? Like the, the people love a name and that was, I, somebody tweeted in the last few days of like after the, after the trade deadline of people scooping up different players and like just name grabbing essentially. But yeah, I don't know. It feels like the Sixers always get overlooked. <laughs> it feels like we're always like, oh, it's New York and Philly. Oh, well, let's go with New York. But mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they have a ton of names, but we've been, I mean, what we've only come out of first place once, right? In, since the All-Star break. That was just break. this week, and it's like 0. 0.5. Right. right. 
And so I I don't understand it. I'm looking forward to us being the Eastern Conference champions. And we can, you know, we'll just be very pleasant with the Nets people that didn't get their team in. <laughs> you know what I think it is? It's because in a league now that's dominated by guard play and yeah. wings, our superstar is a big man. Yeah, you're right. And it's not aesthetically pleasing. I don't know why, because Joel's beautiful playing basketball. Yeah. But people are so hung. Oh, he's not pulling up from the logo. Blah, 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 blah. But j- our game is like, we're actually doing bully ball. Yeah. Even with Ben. Ben's a six foot ten bully, pretty much. Like he's barreling into the lane. I, I guarantee you, if Ben was jacking up threes, we will be, we will definitely be over, we will be picked over the next. Because people yeah. will be like, oh, that's exciting basketball. <laughs> oh, my God, Ben's averaging 25, 10, and 13 or whatever. The case be. Yeah. He's jacking up threes from the logo. He's shooting 30%, but he's shooting from the logo. But since our big man is the superstar, we're looked at as caveman basketball. Right. That's good. But yeah, I know. it's And that conversation about Ben and the three, it's like, oh, I'm so thankful for Doc because he has just, in the post games, just shut the reporters down every week. Like, I'm tired of answering this question. I don't care if he doesn't shoot a three. And I've always felt that way about Ben. I mean, I remember like everybody else when he finally hit the three for the first time in a game. And it was like the the, the shot heard around the world. But, you know, he, he has so many assets that he brings to the table. And our team is a big team in general. Most of our guards are pretty tall, too. It's like. We're just, I like, you know, we're, like the Flyers were back in the day, the Broad Street Bullies, we're playing bully ball. That's so Philadelphia, and it's perfect for us. And I love it. And listen, it's W's. We're yeah. in first place, people. Stop talking like we're battling for an <laughs> AC. We're in first place. Right. Well, we're tied we're for tied. first place yeah. right now. And, oh, yeah, by the way, when people thought it was over with Joel out, we went. What did we go in total? Eight and three without him or something like that? Uh, something like that. I know the road trip was four and two, right? Yeah, I think yeah. we went eight and three. Yeah, I know. I will say, I, I know like a lot of people after we lost, after we got rid of Tony Bradley, it was like, I, I really did like Tony Bradley. I thought he was somebody we could have held on to because he was one of those people that the city just embraces where he comes out of nowhere. He's been riding the bench all year, had maybe played like collectively 20 minutes up until that point, and then come in and do your job. And it was awesome. And, you know, I wish him well, but we can't have a whole team of centers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dwight's an elite hacker. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about the computer. Like, he's like, dude, yeah. he's funny, but you could tell. It's like the refs are like looking for it now. Some oh, of the yeah. stuff he does is completely stupid. I'm like Dwight, <laughs> R- like when he got kicked out against uh Montre- Montreal and then or- in the next game too. <laughs> it's like you could see him. Like I saw it. Like the moment the timeout happened, I was like Dwight, where you going? Where you going? Where you going? <laughs> Boom! He pushed him. I said, Oh Dwight, why? And that right. was perfect. Clowns. Yeah, clowns. I like it. Clowns. 
<laughs> and I the know. Fact he coached both of them. That was beautiful. Yeah, oh, it's great. Doc is great. I mean, I have so many great changes. And, you know, we have to, of course, appreciate Daryl Morey for a lot of that. But it's like, it, they're just such a fun squad. I would like to see some more B-Ball Paul minutes, but I was mm-hmm. kind of hoping for some last night because it seemed like we should be beating, you know, the Timberwolves by more than, what was the final score? We beat them by like eight or 10 or yeah. something like that. I mean, we they had only won 12 games. We should have been like up they have, 30. They, they, they have something that a lot of teams that are that bad don't have. They have a superstar that can just take over a game. Yeah. And Cat is, he, he's, He's legit. He's one yeah. of the great players in this game. So yeah. that's why the game is always not a throwaway when you got players like that. And um Well, and he has I, his I rivalry was, with Joel too. So and you can tell Joe <laughs> put a couple licks on him like when he got when he got a chance. It's so funny. But I, I think know. what pissed Joe off was when he got dunked on mm-hmm. and then uh uh, cat was animated about it, which I would be too. You got yeah. the guy that always torment you. Finally, I get to dunk on him and make him look bad. Right. But then when Joe makes his shot, he's... <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's so great. So, yeah. what do you what do you see? Do you think the Sixers will um, get will keep the first place? Um, in the East, what do you think we'll keep it? Um, I hope we'll keep it. <laughs> That's I, what everybody's saying. Yeah, it's hard to know. I don't, as a lifelong Philly sports fan, it's hard to get too excited until you're there, right? Like, yes. you just, it feels like it's never easy. And so I'm happy Joel isn't playing today. I don't care if he plays every other game for the rest of the regular season, (laughs) you know? And like at the end of the day, if we're in first, that would be great home court advantage. But as long as we win the Eastern conference championship, I'll be very happy. And I think we should be in that game or series. You know, I don't, there, there's no question we should be in that series. I'm reluctant to say that I think we'll finish first because we're just so neck and neck with the the Nets right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to say, but I hope so. Yeah. Uh, forget the Nets. I don't care about yeah, them. Yeah, who cares? Right, whatever. <laughs> but um, let's get to your love. You, you, Of course, the pandemic, the whole thing now is – what can I binge watch? What can I watch? If yeah. you love shows, what is mm-hmm. your favorite show to watch right now? Um, I have gone through so many different phases in the pandemic of shows. Mm-hmm. I have watched Schitt's Creek, I think twice all the way through. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's like a good, that's a good background show because it's, it's like. phenomenal. Me yeah. and my wife love it, love yeah. it, love it, love it. It's so funny. Um, I love paranormal shows. Mm-hmm. So like uh, paranormal caught on camera or like the dead files. Oh, not those. I so you're it. like the people that's in the dark and they're waiting for, I, don't, I think I heard something. <laughs> I don't believe it, but I love it for some reason. <laughs> you, don't watch, you don't believe it. That kind of, because it's just like easy, you know, like, I don't know. I, I spend so much time, I, I'm teaching remotely and have been teaching remotely all year. And so 
it's like I spend so much time thinking about biology. I think I know what you're about to say. Go ahead. Want to not think about anything serious? The same thing. She's a wife and I get along. I can tell her. She's a social worker. So yeah, oh, that's awesome. She likes to look at. She call it mindless dumb stuff. Yes. Because she's always thinking. So she wants to just run down Facebook and see people like jumping onto a bed of tacks. I'm making it up, but somebody like <laughs> yeah. making eggs in a waffle, a waffle maker. Mm-hmm. And she just, she said, I just like people doing stupid things because then yeah. I don't have to think about it. Now me, I love crime shows. Oh, I so love crime I'm, shows too. I'm always thinking and analytical and I'm like, she's like, honey, you did this. You retired. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. That's like your career. You still want to watch. But you know what? I I told her the reason why I love watching them is because I love to watch. I love to find out the psyche of why people do things the way that they do. Also, how stupid people can be. And three, (laughs) I love when people get what's coming to them. So I love Mm -hmm. the sentencing part because I'm like, okay, what are you giving them? What are you giving them? Yeah. Uh, We're going to give them... uh, Four consecutive life sentence in two years for the gun charge. I'm like, oh man, two years? That's it? <laughs> and she's like, he has four consecutive life terms. Like, what else do you want? I'm like, I'm very heavy handed when it comes to the um discipline part. So that's why I love crime shows. But it's so funny yeah. when you got you and my wife, when you're in such a field where you have to think all the time, analyze, when you want to unwind, you just want to look at something that's dumb. Yeah. Well, your wife is a social worker. She has a lot more of a challenging career than I do because I have so much respect for social workers that putting, Mm -hmm. because I'm a, I'm a foster youth mentor and I'm actually just newly licensed to foster to adopt. So. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. So I've been foster workers have been, or social workers have been a huge part of my life over the last year, but um, you know, just the the ins and outs of that. I mean, your wife is a saint for that line of work because you well, just well, thank you. see some. I truly, I really mean that. Um, but yeah, I I like to just get away from it. Although I do like a crime show, but that's totally unrelated to what I do. So I love crime shows. I love them. Yeah. So let's let's go back to binge watch. You like you said you watched Shit's Creek twice all the way yeah. through. I'm Who's really, your favorite character? Oh. Who's my favorite character? Moira, probably. What? Mine's, mine's between David and Roland. Why do you oh, like Moira so much? Roland's great. Because um, Moira is just so over the top and wild, and but like unabashedly herself all the mm-hmm. time. And I love that. I love people that are just themselves, no matter where they are. I mean, she's like in this rinky dink little town wearing this like hook couture like outfit. <laughs> and, you know, it's just great. But I I love Roland for the same reason, because he's hilarious. I mean, you can't not love Chris Elliott. He's so goofy and funny. He's so great. Like he makes yeah. like he's instant comedy. He's like. Yes. He's like a great background singer or a great feature. Like you put yeah. him in anything, he's he's money. Yeah, he, right. He's so good. But th- would you talk about more? I, where what is that accent? Where I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw an interview about with Catherine O'Hara about that accent, and 
she said like because the character is like this amalgam of just different like socialite type ladies and mm -hmm. she just i think she kind of just did that with different accents too. she's like oh the great ensemble and i'm like <laughs> where are you from <laughs> i know John. it's so silly that's that's you do I, that, I, david 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 no <laughs> I feel now, like who, the reason why everybody likes yeah. Shit's Creek so much, though, especially during the pandemic, is it's like such a feel-good show. There's not like any oh. real drama or like negativity. It's like very positive, so it's like nice and light to watch. And I love the way it's humble because we've all thought about yeah. like what happens to these people. Like you hear about these rich people, they're like they're bankrupt. I'm like, wait a minute, they just was on Forbes last right. year like right like so what is what is bankrupt what is poor to the rich and i feel like even though it's a comedy and it's fictional it still gives an accurate account of how like for instance like johnny he's still wearing his expensive <laughs> suits right at Shit's creek right um, he's, he's cleaning leaves out the gutters and he right. has on his expensive suit myra's yeah. wearing Five thousand dollar wigs right. and they're hung up on the wall. It's so it's so phenomenal. It's so yeah. great. Yeah. Um I agree. And I feel like it's it's current enough to where it's it's still giving us uh a insight into what's going on around us. Especially yeah. when you got the rich. Like I love the fact that a couple episodes he has mentioned that. All these famous people where he talk about how, you know, we had this person over, this person over. When they hit Shit's Creek, where was those people? <laughs> right. Yeah. Not there. Anybody to help him out? Nobody. No. And yeah. I love how he was, he always mentions he was number two to Blockbuster. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and both are gone now. <laughs> I know. I know. Rose video and Blockbuster are both bankrupt. So. I keep meaning to watch that Netflix show, or is it a movie? I probably on about the last blockbuster. Have yes, it's a that? documentary. Oh, I have yeah. not, but it's on my list. Yeah, it's on my you list know, too. I just was talking. I was on another show. Um, I was on a Bradham and Emery show, and they had um a guy named Twitty on, and we was talking about he was he brought up the last blockbuster, and I have two videos. <laughs> from Blockbuster that I didn't return. I have it's in my collection. Oh I have one my right gosh. here. I still have. Oh my gosh, the late fees are astronomical on that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to turn it back in. But there, then I realized they could come ahead. back in business with the late fees from. That. <laughs> and then I opened it and look. Oh. You're missing the DVD. I'm missing the DVD. So it's this one, and I forgot the other video I have, but the other video for sure I know has a DVD in it. So Blockbuster. Sorry. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> oh man, this has been this has been so fantastic. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you so much on an Easter Sunday. Um, taking time out of your your uh, busy, busy schedule with the tortoises and the turtles what? and swimming and San Diego ah. weather. and It is pretty nice out today. <laughs> I know. Don't, don't rub it in. I know. Don't rub it in. So I, I do want to get into um, 
Tell me how does it feel to to be a professor? How does it feel? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, good, I guess. I mean, I the bottom line, I love what I do, and so it's like I, I truly, I was asked this question recently. I don't know if it was by a student. I can't remember, but. Of if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, what would I be doing? And I'm always like, I don't know, because this is kind of what I always saw myself doing. I love working with the students. It is my, the, my favorite part of my job. Um, and I love teaching at a community college because I can relate to my students in, you know, not having being first generation in your family to go to college, to go to a four year school. And um, they come from such different backgrounds, like each and every one of them has such a unique story. And they're all there because they want to learn. You know, people always, I, especially growing up in the Philadelphia suburbs, I have to say, People were very negative, like kids, I mean, about like community colleges. And then when I moved to California, the, Cal I have to, the California community college system is awesome. And it's like they have very easy tracks for the kids to transfer in and stuff. But it's just so great. And I love it so much. The mentoring part of my job is by far my favorite. And and we, we're going to get into the whole community college thing because you just Ooh. bought on something because I am a product of community yes. colleges um i went to more than two community colleges um in my in my career on my way to my um i got a bachelor's um i got my bachelor's and then i got my master's just last year Congrats. so thank you thank you so much awesome. it, but i've been going to school since 2000 well that's how and I if feel it, too. and if it wasn't and if it wasn't for community colleges I wouldn't have these two degrees on my wall because yeah. whenever I felt like, okay, I'm not quite there yet to go to a four year, I could just sign up for community college, do the work, at least stay in that mode. And mm -hmm. it was always great professors that will always ask me, what are you doing here? And I would tell them, they would be like, you can do more. Like, mm -hmm. I love that you're doing this, but I see that you could do more. And that's one of the things that I love about community colleges is because it's a great conduit and you have people there that care, that people, they can be teaching at your fancy, fancy schools, but they love being there in the beginning of somebody's career and watching them, watching them grow. Yeah. Um, so that whole stigma about community colleges to me, it really... It pisses me off because yeah. my thing is learning is learning. School is school. The only difference is, one, you're going to get an enormous bill afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the only difference. Like, right. It's, so, I mean, how do you, I mean, you spoke about that, but do you sometimes get that stigma to where, like, even when you're among colleagues or whatever, and they're like, hey, where do you teach? You're like, hey, I teach at. San Diego Community College, and do you get that? Huh? Yeah, I mean, not. I will say not as much if I'm in California, um, mm -hmm. because I think you know I have a lot of friends and colleagues that are professors at four-year schools, and they recognize 
that, you know, I, and even myself, I was an adjunct at a four-year university here for a little while. And it's like the students know too, that a lot of us teach at both. They like go back and forth. And, but I will say outside of the state, sometimes I get that because community colleges don't have the same um, support in other states that we do in California. And it's a shame. I mean, um, I actually think Florida has a pretty good community college system too. I I don't know as much about where Pennsylvania is with it now, but when I was a kid, it was just, there was such a stigma, but yeah, it still happens and it's hurtful. And I had a student that actually pretty recently, probably within the last year, it was a former student that was going, um, transferring to a local four-year university and was at an orientation and there was some professor there that made a jab at like, oh, well, you're not in community college anymore. And I, and then the student told me about it. And I was like, I can't, I can't believe that they would say that because, you know, who are they to judge your path to get to school? And also as a professor at a community college, I have continuously been more impressed by my community college students than the four-year university students because my students are sometimes crossing the border from Mexico to come to class. They are older adults that have children and families and they're working full-time. They're not just kids that like, you know, mom and dad are paying the bill and they can party when they're not in class. So it's, you know, it's, it's twisted and it's not right. And, uh, but that's like, I'm so invested in my students and I just would do anything to help them fight that stigma because it shouldn't be there. It's so ridiculous that it even would be there. It's ridiculous. And what I think it's going to take, it's going to take for the four-year colleges to, to reach out because I like that some of the community colleges I went to, they had a direct conduit to a four-year. They'll be like, Hey, um, we have a, I'm just making up. we have a program with Twitter University that <laughs> you take these classes and they directly correlate here Yeah, and you could get in after your two years, after your associates or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I, I just find it phenomenal. Like I said, I've been going to school since 2000 and community college has been there. I went to Mercer County Community College. I went to Fayetteville mm-hmm. Tech Community College. I went to, um, What's the one here that I went to? Why 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 am I drawing a blank? I went to two colleges here in uh two community colleges here in Charlotte and then ultimately I got my four-year degree and my master's at Pfeiffer. So you got to when it comes to schooling, I get it, the whole prestige and the and the yelling when your team gets the final four and all that stuff, but at the end of the day when you're sitting somewhere and somebody's asking you something about your craft or want to know what it is that you're willing to do, you're going to have to get past, I went to Duke, and then they'll be like, okay, so yeah. what's next? You know what I do? <laughs> I, in many ways, not that I was grateful that it happened, but I think like everybody, it was so it made me so angry when that whole college admissions scandal happened. Yes. But, but what I do think it did was help to bring those schools down a notch because 
it made it widely known that a lot of kids that go to those schools are going because their parents made endowments or basically cheated the system to get them in. And so, you know, if you're a terrible person and you you have a job that is very selfish and self-centered and doesn't give back in some way, but you went to USC or you went to, I'm only picking on like Stanford, those were two involved, right? <laughs> but, you know, what is that? Who cares? It's That means nothing. Be, and versus somebody who went to community college and then transferred and now has a career and they earned that, you know, and that's so different. And like you were saying in California, that's why I love our system so much because we do have these relationships with the four year schools. So in San Diego, we have um, in San Diego Community College District, which is what I'm a part of. We have three campuses and then a continuing ed school. And we have relationships with San Diego State and UC San Diego, and it makes it so easy for our students to transfer because of that. So you take this class here, it's the same as what you would take there. And, you know, that that relationship, you, you're spot on. That relationship bolsters the community colleges in the community and makes it viable. And you save so much money by going that So route. much money. I don't yeah. want to... I don't want to become a career student because I don't want to right. start paying my school loans. <laughs> I tell my like, students all the time, if I grew up in California, there is no doubt in my mind that my mom would have had us in community for two years and then transfer. There's no <laughs> doubt that that would have been our route. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been this has been fantastic. Um, like I said, for having me. thank you. Oh, Thank you for coming on. Like I said, it's this is really you know, fun. It, it's very fun, and we have to we have to do this um, again um, because when we get closer um, to playoffs. <laughs> yes, because I feel so bad because you, of course, know I was suspended from Twitter. So I when I when I um, go live, it's not going to feed it to my Twitter because I can't do anything. And I want I wanted so many more eyes on this, but of course they'll download it and listen to it later. But I to that person that reported me, you scum. <laughs> like, like what was that the, what was the tweet that you got reported? I told for? him I, I got I, I got I got it right here. I got it right <laughs> here. Because I want people to know this is what Twitter's coming down to now. I know all I said was the guy, let me give you the background. I was talking to Denver, uh, Denver um, reporter inside or whatever, Benjamin Albright. Okay. And apparently this guy jumped in and was like trying to be Captain Save him to Denver Ben. And all I said was, stalk another D-list insider and I don't need your good luck, you freak. You the, you the one on here crying about a grown man that wears uneven shirts. Shout out to David. Go eat a crayon. <laughs> That's all I said. And oh then my I walked gosh. up and tried to post something and Twitter was like, you may not promote violence or threaten or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, what? gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Who did I what? <laughs> there must be some like crayon eating religion that you don't know of. <laughs> I like what or people who wear uneven shirts. 
Maybe the freak thing got him uh, like. You know what? That's such baloney because, like, we had that clown for the last four years in the White House tweeting whatever the hell he wanted to and mm-hmm. didn't get suspended until the very end. And it's like you got suspended for I've been called so many things, and it takes Twitter forever. It's it's some disgusting, vile things on Twitter that it takes them yeah. forever to remove. I said, I told a guy to go eat a crayon. <laughs> I got seven days. So in two more days, I'll be back. And to you, I hope you have a good time. But I will admit, the thing that makes me mad is when my voice, well, my voice on there is silenced because yeah. I got to talk to you. We talked about some very important things. Yeah. People are not going to hear that or get a chance to see that live. And also, um, there's been a lot of stuff people been saying that I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't respond. And I can't. So what I did was I bookmarked the tweet because I'm coming when I come back, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I know you said this seven days ago, but you dummy. Blah 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 blah. They're gonna be like, I don't remember saying that. But oh my god! Everybody, get ready. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, because they're used to it now. Because they're like, "Where's Blue? Oh God, what do you do now?" (laughs) So when I come back, it's gonna, it's gonna be a vengeful. It's gonna be so vengeful. But (laughs) thank you so much. Dr. I appreciate this so much. Thank you so much. And tell everybody where they can see you or something that you're working on, something that you want somebody to pay attention to, passionate about, uh, organization or anything. Um, The floor is yours. I will say this. If you have a way to get involved with foster youth in your community, please do it. Even if it's just being a mentor or um, in a lot of areas, you can be a court appointed special advocate, which is a CASA, and you can help these kids that are there through no fault of their own. And if that's something that you can do to give back to your community, it makes your community stronger because you're giving these kids a leg up and the one adult maybe in their life that's there to support them. So I'll say that. And and that is and and I'm gonna piggyback on that. That is so important because what we also have with everything, with as positive and as great as you are and what you're trying to do, we have some awful, dangerous, bad mentees out there. Some people that's in it for the wrong reasons, and we need to make the pool stronger again. So these kids, when they get to the only person that they can absolutely trust the first time in their lives, it's not a scumbag or it's not somebody that's doing harmful things to them physically and emotionally. So thank you for bringing that up. And yes, please, if you can do whatever it is you can. uh, It's so rewarding. I've been a mentor to the same kid for the last five years. I'm like, we have such a great relationship and it, she's 11 now. We were at the beach the other day. Like she's like my, my niece at this point. And like, and, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Because we all know what happens to these kids when they get with the wrong people. And we need so. more good men to do it too, because there's not enough men mentors in these systems to help these kids. So 
and 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 that's a whole story within itself. But yes, men, yeah. if you can do it, I know there's a huge stigma out there with you know why would men want to be hanging around with younger people, blah blah blah. But I'm telling they you, need if you're role models. It, if you're in it for the right reason and doing the right thing, it will show. Yeah. So um, please get involved. Thank you so much. Dr. Yeah. Matt Rack and Thank you, Prince we Blue. will do this again and I can't wait. Um please people remember I'm at Real Prince Blue on Twitter, at Real Prince Blue on Instagram. Um make sure you download the podcast. Just ask Siri, ask Alexa, hey play real time with Prince Blue. Make sure you download this episode when it comes out. She is Doc, Dr. Matt Rack. You can catch her at, at Doc. Yeah, Mad I think Rack? it's at Doc Madrack on Twitter. And then I think it's the same on Instagram. I don't hey, actually know. Listen, <laughs> it, it, it's all to just say Big Turtle Lady. <laughs> yeah. And then her picture will pop yeah, up. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. So thank you, everybody. Go Sixers. Yes. Go Phillies. Yeah. Eagles. Less than two yeah. hours to game time. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Get them, Memphis. Get on them. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. Remember, have a happy uh, Easter. I was going to say Thanksgiving. Have a happy Easter. Be safe and be well. And I will see you again later. Bye, everybody.